The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Oireachtas Social Protection Committee is calling for the pension deferral age to be raised from 70 to 75. That means that you would have the option to work for longer if you feel fit enough to do so and you would be able to access enhanced rates of pensions when you then eventually draw them down. There have been calls for moves like this for some time because there's fears that the ageing population is going to become too expensive and therefore lead to a sharp rise in PRSI costs. But these things aren't always as simple as they sound. Joining me to discuss this now is Celine Clark, who's Head of Advocacy and Public Affairs at Age Action, and Michael McMahon, who is Acting Chair of the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. Michael, I might start with you on this. The the necessity for the pension age to be shifted. If we don't, are we staring at a fiscal cliff? We are. So we've been making this point for a while. Um, it's... It, it, not biting yet, but actually Ireland, and, and it's biting in other countries already, but Ireland actually faces a pretty sharp uh, increase in the costs associated with ageing, coming mainly through the pension and the health system that by 2035 look big and by 2050 are really quite large, something close to around 9% of, of, of national income properly measured. So, yeah, this is a big thing that needs some adjustments and our advice has been to do start adjusting now and make smaller adjustments rather than waiting until the last minute and having to do something drastic. And the nature of the adjustments that you're suggesting is what? Well, there's a whole uh, uh, slew of them. One would be to start PRSI increases already now. Uh, now, that's not, of course, very popular, particularly given the year we've just had. Um, but but the more you do now, uh, the, the less you have to do with to future generations. In the last budget, they introduced the sort of the the Future Ireland Fund, which is, again, a step we've been calling for. And if we can take some of the extra uh, corporation tax that we're getting at the moment and put it in that fund, build up the fund, that will also help ease into it. But it doesn't do everything. So you need to make other adjustments. One other adjustment was to increase the state pension age. um, But but that has been sort of frozen, at least for now. Um, and, and, and but this this proposal that you're talking about now is is, is just a, a really it's not going to have a big fiscal impact necessarily, but it gives a lot more flexibility to retirees and doesn't sort of force them then, you know, if, if they want to have more income and work for a bit longer and they're able to do so, it gives them that chance to do so. And why does that not have a significant fiscal impact? Surely, if there are people staying in the workforce for longer, that should have an effect. Yeah, I, I mean. The question will come down to how many people choose to do it. The, the, the estimates of, of take up of these schemes, particularly going you know, from 70 to 75, there are a percent of the population who could still work then, especially as we move to more of a knowledge economy with people more behind desks than sort of in hard labor jobs, as, as, as was the case previously. But the estimates of what the take up would be are pretty small. So unless we got significant numbers of people choosing to keep working, then the, the overall fiscal impact is going to be relatively small, but it could be quite significant for those people. Celine Clark, as I said, is with us. She's Head of Advocacy and Public Affairs at Age Action. That tendency for people to be unlikely to take up the offer to work longer, is that because they, they don't, they're, because they're effectively squeezed out of the workforce or because there isn't an appetite, Celine? Well, I think there's a number of factors there. So in Age Action's work, we would see that um, one in nine people aged 65 plus remain in employment. And there are a couple of factors such as mandatory retirement clauses, which push people out of the workforce at a particular age. They're mostly at age 65. So people approach the age 65, they have to leave work. 
even though nothing has changed as otherwise in their life. And there's this sort of arbitrary use-by or sell-by date of 65. And Age Action has campaigned for mandatory retirement clauses to be abolished in private um, employment contracts and public ones as well, because it does push people out. It, it's ageist ultimately. Um, and we also though need to look at the type of employment that people are in. So we need to address ageism in our employment work, um, the way we are employed, the way we are hired, but also then how we are retained as workers is really important, particularly in older age. And we can see an increase in the number of cases being taken to the WRC on the grounds of age discrimination in the workplace. But we also know that um, through Age Actions polling and other research as well, that ageism is one of the factors that determines people leave the workforce earlier than they might want to. And of course, we're really focusing here on the flexibility um, of being able to transition from work to retirement. And that's really important. But we also need to look at the fairness as well that's in the system. Age Action has campaigned for fair and flexible pensions as part of the Stop 67 Well, campaign. on that, Celine, can you do that? Can you Do you have to change the pension age if you change the mandatory retirement age? Because do you not run the risk then that you would get people who might be 67 or 68 effectively getting paid on the double if they're public sector workers where they're receiving a public sector salary and they're also in receipt of the state pension? Well, public sector workers can continue to work until the age of 70. What we're seeing though are people are being forced out of the labour market at 65, but the the qualifying age for the pension is 66. And so there's a gap there. Um, We also know that people who are maybe in their 50s who exit the workforce because they lose their job for one reason or another or they're unable to work tend to not go back into employment because they just simply cannot find a job. And of course, this really affects low-paid workers and it also disproportionately negatively impacts on women as well. We know that um, in the sort of in the over 70 workforce, because so we're talking about here as a result of the, the Iraqis Committee's uh, report, men in paid work after the age of 70 outnumber women by at least three to one after the age of 70. So what we're really concerned about is um, while the flexibility is really welcome, but the, the proposal to defer the pension age and then being able to get a higher weekly rate is likely to have unintended negative consequences, and particularly for women and people in low paid work, people in arduous work, such as cleaners, labourers, builders, long distance drivers. There'll be many of them listening to you tonight, today, and they'll be thinking, I'm not going to be able to work in this job until 75 physically, and then other people just won't be working welcome in the workforce unless there are huge changes made. And that's why we should really see a comprehensive response to the report of the Pension Commission, not pieces of it. The Pension Commission covered an awful lot of what needs to be done in order to have an equitable pension system and a sustainable pension system. Age is one of them. But it did recognise that raising the pension age would only cover 16% of the total cost. So that's not the solution. I want to look at the impact that it has, the, the mandatory retirement on, on people, uh, one of whom was very vocal about her own experience of, of mandatory retirement was Valerie Cox, journalist and uh, author. I assume, Valerie, not putting words in your mouth, but paraphrasing what I would have seen you before, you were of the view that you had a lot to offer your employer and that there was no diminution in your competence, but you were told you were no longer needed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the week I turned 35 is a particularly busy news week. And I was running all around the country covering, I don't know, murders, trials, 
all sorts of different events. And I was feeding it um, into different programs even. And then overnight, I had my 65th birthday and I was just on the scrap heap. And I just thought, that is so annoying. That is so unfair. I was very angry about it. And that was why I took my case to the WRC. Um, I gathered one of the first cases, if not the first. And it was very interesting because during the proceedings, um, the adjudicator asked of RTE, you know, uh, she's 65 and I was doing, I had two contracts. I had, um, I was working on the Today Show and I was also um, uh, doing a set in the papers. And referring to the papers, they said, well, you know, was she the oldest? And they said, no, there's two older people still working on it, but they're freelancers. And I mean, that brought home to me the absolute unfairness. Now, I did win the case, um, which was very important. And I know a lot of people have taken um, cases since that. But it's not absolutely appalling judgment that based on one birthday, you're too old to do your job when you're perfectly competent. Well, I would suggest, and Valerie, that in some instances, if you look at the people who are forced out at specific ages, I mean, I would have talked to judges who were forced out in, in, in because they hit a certain retirement age, and you could argue that they are literally at their most competent because of the spectrum of experience that they've built in the courses and the courts on which they have sat. So surely there are a lot of jobs where you say, I'm only hitting my prime at retirement age rather than being a shadow of my former self. Absolutely. And you cannot undervalue experience. And this is so good for younger people coming up in the company as well, in any company, because they've got these experienced older people working with them and they can absorb all that information and so on. I mean, I've never stopped working. I went freelance after I was let go at 65. And you know what strikes me? The number of women who would be in my situation, who have left the workforce maybe in their younger years to rear a family. And they got back in later again, maybe when they were in their 50s or whatever, and they don't want to go. I have a lot of friends who are still working and I have friends who were forced out at 65 and they didn't want to go because their working life had been somewhat curtailed by, say, rearing a family or looking after relatives or whatever it was, or being carers maybe. And they wanted to continue, but um, it was very difficult for them and some of them were let go because they turned 65. Let me go back to the economics of this with Michael McMahon. Uh, briefly, Michael, if you would, is there, surely there is an incentive or there should be a way to be able to set up an economic incentive where you could have a, a way of using the tax system to defer the pension payment because it is economically advantageous to have somebody in employment and paying taxes rather than uh, receiving a state pension. Is there much in the way of thinking along those lines? Yeah, no, I think that's what the, the the deferral system was was meant to do. You know, you don't get to claim it for you don't claim it for a number of years, and then in in, in return for what you didn't claim, you get a bit extra later on. Um, so, so I think that flexibility and those sort of incentives are important. Uh, again, uh, the one thing I would add to this, though, uh, to stress is there is also a question about intergenerational equity and in our current pension system. Um, is, is on track to raise the costs for younger workers massively. So a, a worker on €35,000 um, by 2050 under the Pension Commission's proposals would have to pay an extra, in today's money, €1,627 of PRSI. Now, that's a huge intergenerational transfer. And so I think these sort of steps and these incentives are, are the right thing at the individual level and, and, and should be 
really thought about carefully. But from the aggregate picture, you know, there's, there's a big challenge still ahead, even, even with these sort of proposals. Michael, thank you very much. That's Michael McMahon, who's acting chair of the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. And before him was Valerie Cox, journalist and author. And before Valerie, Celine Clark, head of advocacy and public affairs at Age Action. A text to say that mandatory 65 requirement needs to be removed immediately. It's basically being made redundant in your mid-60s with no hope of getting another job. You have to ask why the government hasn't done this. And another... I was forced out of employment last December at age 65. After 46 years working, I am absolutely delighted with retirement. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.